Life's a Mitch. G'day, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Life's a Mitch podcast. So if you cast your minds back, oof. 20 odd weeks now. I spoke to a gentleman by the name of Alan Stevens and a local Newcastle guy work living with me who, um, you know, has done all things great for the community with the campfire project. And through, through Alan, I've met some amazing guests and my next guest uh, is, has been introduced to me with someone with an amazing story. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Karen Chaston, 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 sorry. That's it. You You did it really well. Thank you, Mitch. And thank you for having me here. Isn't Alan amazing? Like he has such the best community. He's so generous. I just love Alan. I've known him for probably about six, seven years now, and I just love everything that he does. Well, well, let's kick things off. How did you and Alan uh, initially sort of get in contact with each other? We met through a networking group in Sydney. Um, I was living in Sydney at at then, and we headed off straight away. And, of course, if anyone's met Alan, the first thing he'll do is he'll read your face. He won't let you know that he's reading your face. He'll talk to you for about five minutes. And then he will tell you who you are just from reading your face, which is totally amazing. He, uh, he's, it, it's interesting you say that because he spoke about um, now that he's got the ability to read people. And I'm like, that makes you a superhero. And he, <laughs> uh, he sort of read me. I'm like, oof, it's, uh, I'm like a thick thesaurus. He's like, no, actually, you are this, 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 and this. Instant goosebump vibes. And um, I know. And, and you know a- those goosebumps are God ticks, don't you? I, well, yeah, I, I've never really thought about it like that, but uh, they right. are goosebumps. So, like, you're whenever you get them, you really need to listen because it's like God's giving you the tick. This is important. You need to listen to this. You need to run with this. I got like, oh, it's kind of like the the five, the heart, the heart tick foundation, five tick approval. I got the, the five <laughs> God tick approval. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we hit it off, we hit it off, uh, sort of pretty, pretty instantly, and um. I've had coffee with him once since, and um, he's he's invited me along to do a few uh, like panel discussions, and uh, through I met like Kim Dunlop and uh, Thomas as well, and um, so like it's been interesting. So yeah. you know he 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 re- he wanted me to to reach out to you because he said, look, I've got people that I know with amazing stories, and he said, well, Karen is an expert in loss, and um, you know she work works with businesses, and she's she's got uh, like a really good brain and a really good like mindset for storytelling. So I just wanted to ask you, how did you get involved in like in dealing with loss and where did this whole journey start for you? And can you tell us a story as to like how, yeah. how it's progressed into today? Sort of, if that yeah, makes sense. sure. And you know, it's funny when you look back at your life, you sort of think you have a plan on what you want to do and where you want to go, but it really does come back to, and I guess I'm talking about God a loss, but I always love the saying, if you want to uh, make God laugh, tell him your plans. And I guess that's one of the things that I really found. So back in 2011, I was a CFO of a publicly listed company. And in hindsight, working too much, eating too much, and definitely drinking too much, you know, I was drinking like a bottle of wine a day just to cope with stress. But the stupid part about it was I didn't even realise I was stressed. If anyone said to me in those days, how do you cope with stress? I would have said, I never get stressed. And I was writing my assumption because I was always in that heightened state. Like I never came back into my rest and restore my parasympathetic uh, nervous system. Then on the 10th of July, a Sunday morning, my husband and I woke thinking we were going to have a lazy day at home. But within seconds, I was literally running out the back door, trying to wake my 27-year-old son who was lying in the fetal position literally at the back door. We thought he was unconscious because he had saliva coming out of his mouth, but the paramedics, when they arrived, 
And I have to say they arrived really quickly. They just took one look at him and they walked up to us and they just said, I'm sorry, madam, he's dead. He probably has been for several hours. No, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. And it's, you know, like he was 27. We thought a healthy 27 had gone out with his mates. Uh, his girlfriend had gone out separately. They had different events on and it was the last thing you expect. He was my baby. He was my baby by a minute because he was a twin. He still is a twin, just that he's up there and his twin's down here. Um, but I didn't, I just did what everyone else, like we tell each other to do and the cliches of just keep busy, give it time, you'll be fine, all that sort of stuff. And so I did. I went back to work the day after his funeral. I knew how to be a CFO. I didn't know how to be a grieving mother, nor did I want to be a grieving mother. So I just carried on and, you know, in total avoidance, and I didn't even realise in total avoidance because that's what we've been taught to do in the West. We haven't been taught to stop. We've been taught keep busy, keep busy, keep busy. And then 15 months later, I got my second, like, loss slap. And that came in the form of the company I was working with was merging with another. And it during the merger process, the uh, directors had come to me and they said, look, Karen, you're not going to be the CFO in the new company, but you're going to be doing everything you're doing now, plus more. We really want you to come with us. And I was like, yeah, who cares what my title is? You know, I really love what I do and I'm really good at what I do. Until they gave me my contract and the contract the salary was for two-thirds of what my current salary was at the time and I just went I got really angry but I got really angry for about a day probably you know 30 hours at the most and then I started to tap back into me and I started to realize that you know what you're not really loving your life you are constantly working. You're always putting the rest of your areas of life on hold. Your relationships are not that great. They could be better. And you're so unhealthy mentally, emotionally, physically, and really spiritually as well. So I looked at the contract and I thought, maybe they're giving me a gift here. Maybe they're actually helping me to realize that I'm only there for the money and I'm wasting most of it just to get through the day. So what are you going to do? And it was the greatest gift that they ever gave. You know, my former boss, he was devastated when I said, I'm taking redundancy. He's going, but we want you to come with us. And I said, you know what? If I came with you working for that salary, I reckon I'd be dead within five years. I reckon it would eat me from the inside out that you were using me, that you were laughing at me and, you know, whether it was going to happen or not. I said, it was the greatest gift that they gave me. So then I was like, what do I want to do now? I knew I wasn't going to be an accountant as such. Like, you know, obviously mentally I'm always an accountant and I understand all that, but I just sat back. I stopped. I literally stopped for the first time in years and I contemplated, what do you want to do? And, you know, life throws you so many things. And because I was so busy, I never saw it. But I got all these amazing things come to me, um, this group that I'd been part of for years. I went to one of their events. And from there, I became a life coach, initially thinking I was going to specialize in women, helping women to stay women, not turning to men like I did in that corporate environment. And then I got into loss. And that's where this is the most, this is why Dan passed. I know. And I know that Dan is constantly with me. I know that he's constantly feeding me all my ideas, all my programs, all my books, everything. So that's in a nutshell why I do what I do. Yeah, no, that's quite the story. So, you know, we'll talk about like, 
loss and what you focus on shortly. Yeah. But something you just said uh, piqued my curiosity a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you said turning into a man. Do you mean yeah. like the stereotype of like, you know, the, the nine to five run of the mill, you know, male dominated industry style metaphor, um, putting work before children and this and that. And is that what you mean by that? Yeah, but it even goes even further than that, you know, I was always angry and I never understood why. And then this group that I became, you know, I really started to deep dive into, even though I'd been part of this group since 2009 and this was like 2012 by this stage, I really started to deep dive into it. And what this group really taught me is the difference between a male and a woman on a physical level and how stress relates differently in our bodies, right? So a man obviously is designed to be, you know, that hunter and gatherer and to go out there and, you know, to fight saber-toothed tigers and do all that sort of stuff. So you, your adrenaline works a lot better in a man's body than what it does in a woman. Whereas if you think back, women only really started to come into the workforce, you know, post-World War II. Um, And even during World War II, they were in the workforce because obviously the men were not around. So that's when we started to start to do all these activities we weren't physically designed for. But we're still good at it. We still have the brains to do it and all that. But our physicality is completely different. So stress and cortisol in a woman's body causes a lot more damage. Um, especially um, in our reproductive organs, which is why so many women who are going down that track actually end up, you know, having IVF issues, all those sort of things. So that's what really interested me was when I started to learn all these things, I was literally like, why didn't I know this as a teenager? Like, why don't we understand our bodies to the point of, right, if I act this way in that totally in heightened state, which I was always in, it's going to have physical, you know, issues that I'm going to have down the trade, cancers, whatever. But I'm also going to not be able to perform as well as if I go, I consciously take my me time where I can rest and restore and recuperate so that I'm keeping myself in that balanced state. Yeah, I think that it's, yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of like, um, you know, when knowledge doesn't become mainstream, For another comparative thing I could say is like, you know, the effects of like mental illness on the body as well. You know, over time, yeah. as science progresses, um, you know, you were speaking before about how you're raising like, you know, she'll be right or get on with it style attitude and sort of like circle what we'll say early 2000s mental illness you might correct me if i'm wrong here but mental illness wasn't becoming a mainstream uh thing to talk about because it was never thought about um and in i was it's been around for centuries yeah you're exactly right Uh, kind of like i know it's probably a bad comparison but the effects of smoking on the body too as time science and knowledge progresses you know we speak about these things i'm gonna gonna change it a little bit I've I've had many guests on this podcast, and we've spoken about um, you know women women in the workplace mm-hmm. uh, struggles for equality. I've even mm-hmm. spoken to a guy by the name of Jack Cammer, and he what he does is he doesn't fight for male rights. He's a he's a male health activist, and what he's encouraging men to do is speak up in regards to mental illness. Yeah. So because as the progression goes on, like the normality becomes as like men are you know you you you're closed minded. You know she'll be right. So that that's why I was curious as to know where you're coming from in regards to the male uh, comparison that you made. So, no, that's cool. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, look, honestly, 
I'm a mother, like yeah. I have one daughter, but I'm also a mother of three sons, yeah. right? So I I advocate men and women quite evenly. And, and I think a lot of the issues with women in the workplace can come back to themselves. You know, it's it can be innate in us not to use our voice yeah. and to not to use our voice consciously. Like when we have a high-pitched voice, men can't hear it. And to understand that, like you may say something, especially in a boardroom, you know, I've been in many boardrooms, I have quite a loud voice, I grew up in a large family. So I I was heard, but I have seen so many women will say something, and then someone will hear it, but most of the people didn't. And then a man will say it. And everyone's like, Oh, wow, wow, what a great idea. And the woman's going, I just said that. But it's like them consciously being aware that your tonality really does make a difference. So, you know, there are, you know, arguments both ways for men and women and their equality and everything, but women need to understand who they are. And that's where I was coming from. And to stay in our innate qualities, you know, very early on in my corporate life, I had a man, a CFO who was, who said to me, Karen, don't act like that if you want to get ahead. Like, don't, don't be that person. And he said it from a heartfelt space but it was the wrong advice Fair enough. because being true and authentic to yourself will always get you a lot further than playing a role. Yep. I, I was just curious. I see. I like having uh, intelligent, open-ended conversations like this. And I think, Oh, thank you. <laughs> that, that's, that's the way to sort of bridge any potential issues is to have active listening, to yeah. have a, a chance to give the person or people you're speaking to every single thing they want to say and sit down. Okay. Let's not shoot anyone down. Let's talk about all inclusiveness. Let's talk about um, whatever we have to do. Anyways, that's a, a conversation yeah. I've tended on there. I apologize. So that's good. I'm so glad. Then, it, was, it was interesting. Thank you. That's okay. So, so come to the next uh, part of this conversation. You were speaking about you. You were specialising and and focusing on loss. Uh, mm-hmm. So, obviously, my sincere condolences about the news of your son. That's horrible. Thank you. Um, so, at what? Okay. So, you what? What came next? Okay. So, you started this okay. this uh, journey to help. I, yeah. So, I started the help to help women, and it never really took off. And I had this lady I was working with who was a marketing lady. And she got me in touch with a lady who works for Macquarie Bank. And she was quite a high-powered lady at Macquarie Bank. Not to work with her, but just to have a conversation with her. And during the conversation, I had this like aha moment. And I started to realise that I don't want to work with these women. I used to be this woman. And there's no way I would have ever listened to me when I was that woman. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been going down this track, sure, having a little bit of success, but not nothing to be like really viable for long term. And then I started to think, what am I going to do? And the lady who I was working with hadn't been working with for very long, and we had the conversation after the initial one. And I just want to be clear, the lady from Macquarie Bank was absolutely beautiful. There was nothing that she said that would make me think the way I was thinking. It was just her energy. It was just everything about her that gave me this great realisation. Mm-hmm. So the lady I was working with, she said, Karen, look, I don't know you very well. She says, but the way you cope with loss, the conversations we've had, you know, with the loss of your son, your redundancy, um, the daughter who I mentioned, I adopted her out when I was 16. 
and she is in my life, um, which was obviously another huge loss. But, you know, we've all have so many losses in our lives. There's over 40 different loss events that can affect all of our lives, which means that we're all going to have multiple major losses, yet most of us don't know how to do it. We don't know how to move beyond loss and create that better everyday life. So that's when I started to, when she said that to me, I went, yeah, you're right. I was told that years ago that that's what I'd be doing. But I was like, no, I don't want to be around those women. They're all those men. They're too sad because I was thinking death as well. But when I started to deep dive into it and, you know, I, you know, the major ones are death of a loved one, a divorce, your job loss, your health, your wealth, your pets. But if we look at this recent pandemic, loss of freedom, choice, status, identity, changing work conditions, recreational, social activities, they're all things that really affect us, that can put us into avoidance, can put us into suffering in silence, can really affect our quality of life, our health, our relationships. Yet most of us get stuck. And and that's where I started. Once I started to deep dive into it, I started to realise that when I was an accountant, I was always looking for that better way. It was always like, there's got to be a better way to do this. It's got to be an easier way. And I was always searching for that. And that's what I found with loss. I thought there's got to be an easier way. And that's when I started. And, you know, with the help of my son on the other side, you know, I started writing books. I started creating programs. I started to really tap into it to say, do you know what? Why are we all doing it the hard way? Why? We've created a world of avoidance. Just all you got to do is look around, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, the alcohol industry, the drugs, the, um, you know, social media, working too much, exercising too much. You know, we're all in avoidance. And Netflix, you know, that's the greatest avoidance thing we've ever looked at. Our phones, it's just a distraction to stop us from deep diving into who we are and where we're going. I like that. It's, uh, it's, you know, talking about avoidance, you know, on the flip side, you could also perhaps use the word addiction. Um, yeah. You know, like uh, I, I, I have a friend named Chelsea and uh, she does a, a podcast on addiction. And uh, for the most part, she's interviewed people like she lost her father through the use of you know, alcoholism and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's mostly uh, spoken to people who have dealt with substance, some sort of substance abuse. And when we started chatting, um, she's like, oh, do you, you want to talk to you, Mitch? I said, yeah, I want to focus on, you know, my addiction to my phone and social media. It cost me a relationship. And mm-hmm. amongst deep diving on why that was happening, it turns out I've got an adult uh, version of ADHD. And what, how that correlates back to the said addiction was that my communication style, I'd get fixated on this thing. And, you know, those with this, uh, this thing I got is you become fixated on one thing and then distracted by the next and the next. But if you, um, it can become toxic and I, instead of like, I'll just, if I saw her online and she didn't text back, I'd be like, Oh, why didn't you get my text? And it just become this short sighted tunnel vision. And only through looking into myself, yeah, through counseling and through a diagnosis and practicing treatment options is that you can between that and, you know, a whole lot of life variables, like I live by myself now, I work in a better industry, et cetera, et cetera. You can only find your best version of yourself. So your yeah. words, your words are absolutely are hundred percent. And, and it's also when you're trying to give a message out to people, sometimes people have good intentions, you know, you were saying before that, um, you know, people would say, Oh no, you'll be right. Get on with it. And if someone is suffering, say, say if someone is, 
is a chronic sufferer anxiety or depression if you say oh you know you'll be right just um just chuck on netflix and this helped me that can actually be more detrimental and patronizing to said person so it's all about it's all about the execution as well Mm. and it sounds like that you've got a a winning equation in regards to that and to all my accountant friends i always say to them i'm like is that because everyone can count on you a but on tish (laughs) a horrible joke but but, But, no uh, i've got a better accounting joke what is an accountant? What is an accountant used for contraception? <laughs> I don't know. Their personality. <laughs> I think the librarians might have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that because I'm an accountant, but it, it is a funny joke. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I it's, <laughs> just threw my train of thought. How good? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> This is this is the uh, the benefits of live theatre, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> and it's no, it's it's interesting, and and to know that, like, to hear that you are confident, and to hear that you are like, because everything all comes down to credibility, reputation, and and you know, obviously, people are utilising your services. And Alan wouldn't have suggested you to me if he didn't believe in you as well. And I believe he's an excellent judge of character. We can read your face. He (laughs) He knows when you're lying, you know, the old. We we were down in the coffee (laughs) shop. We were down in the, now Alan's like a a skinny frame sort of bloke. And we were down in the coffee shop. That's why when you say he's a superhero, you go, not body wise. (laughs) No, he's he's like, and we're down at the coffee shop. And uh, we're just having a coffee and he's, you know, he's doing his thing and reading people. And I said, I, I should get you to, to look at this. So look at what? And I pulled out my phone and started swiping on Tinder. He just, <laughs> he giggled so much. <laughs> he's done that before, I think. <laughs> you one stop, uh, you one stop um, wingman shop. I think exactly. I said to him. And he, I, I, he, he, I, the reason I commented on how like thin of a bloke he was is that his shirt lines, he's like, you can see the creases shaking on his shirt because he was laughing. His whole body was moving in laughter. <laughs> now, either I made him giggle or he felt sorry for me. Either way, I'll take it. No, I think he was <laughs> laughing with you, not at you. No, that was the joke in itself. Um, but yeah. every yeah, every every uh, conversation we've had, it's uh, you know, it gives the mentor vibe straight away. He just commands respect, and I get the same mm. vibe from you. You just oh, thank you to, to get that. Um, like just that presence, you know, never condescending, never rude, and you'd always no. hear out what the person has to say. So, what happened next? Like, so how did you then like, start? Thank you for that. Before That's I move good. on, I'd like to say I wasn't like that in my corporate life, um, and I really have noticed it because I was always so busy that I would never, I would finish people's sentences, I would move on, you know, things like that. So, I really have um, learned how to listen. Uh, which obviously as a life coach is the most ideal thing to do uh, sort of thing. So to answer your question, what happens next, what happened next was I started to um, obviously train as a speaker and write my books. And I have to say, I love writing books. And my first book that I thought I was going to write ended up being my third book. And I went to a school friend because it's it's actually about a it's it's a sort of it's it's a mixture between fiction and nonfiction and it's a story of it's called teenagers playing grown ups and it's a story of of four teenage girls they all fall pregnant and they all choose a different option. Now I told you I adopted my daughter out when I was sixteen, so three of the stories were real and I did have a girlfriend one who had an abortion and one who got married, um, and the fourth option was to choose single motherhood. So anyway, I went to one of the one one of the girls and I said look I want to write this book would you like to write your story and she's like what do you mean you're going to write a book you were crap at English you were really good at maths and I'm going yeah but that's like 40 years ago seriously 
Um, I said, I have done a few things like since then. I have a master's degree. I'm a CPA. I do actually know how to write now. And she and I found that a really interesting conversation because so often we all pigeonhole ourselves and we believe who we were when we were younger is not who we can be now. So she taught me a great gift in the fact that if you think it, you can do it. And don't listen to anyone else who wants to bring you down because you can do it. So that's when I started. Then I started to create my online programs. And my programs are a mixture of a whole lot of different things that I learned along the way. Because for me to move from that corporate person into who I am today, and I have to say, normally I will show a photo, my passport photos, one from 2007 and one from 2017. I look 10 years younger in the 17 one than I do in the 7 one. So I like to say I've gained 20 years <laughs> just through learning how to tap into me, learning how to love who I am and learning how to look after myself, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, because so often we don't do that. We worry about everyone else and we put ourselves last. And one of the greatest gifts that came to me on that journey that I went on after I left my corporate space was I had this realisation, which was you are the only person you are going to spend your entire life with. You're right. No one else do you spend 24-7 with. So why are you putting yourself last and giving up on your dreams and giving up, just giving away your life to everyone else? People uh, often forget, you know. Um, it's going to sound a bit dire here, but we, you know, we're a vessel. We have limited time here yeah. on this earth. And, you know, I guess through that same sort of um, process, I lived by myself for four years and, um, you know, you're, you're dating that time, you, you, you do all sorts of things. However, bottom line is you have all this time to yourself and, you know, I do shift work, so I do a few blocks on and then I get a few days off. And you, you, you learn to realise what your strengths are, what you like, and you think, have a lot of time to think because on my shifts, they're 12 hours and have a lot of time in the, in the pieces of gear to, to go over things in your head. And one of the few uh, commonality, common things that I have stopped to think about is, well, okay, well, at the end of the day, I'm going to do what makes me feel good because I'm the one who takes my ideas to the graveyard. And if you have some of the best ones, then why not let the world, you know, benefit from them? If you've got an idea to, you know, take a trip, buy a car, invent something, whatever it might be. Mine was to start this podcast. And within four and a half months, I've top charts. I've had 50,000 listens and I've had a lot of people giggling and not bad for a little coal miner from Curry Curry, I suppose. And some of the people I've met, some of the conversations I've had never would have happened. For example, if I was um, just on lockdown and not doing this, I'd probably just sit in there playing Xbox or something, which is fine. And people, if that's that's your thing, fair enough. I I power to you. But if you've got some sort of creative outlet or an idea you've been putting off, the only one holding yourself back is you. The people in your life will understand. And if they don't, then are they really loved ones? Yeah, exactly. People always want to keep you where they are, where you are, because they know who you are then. And But when you do say, no, I am going to actually get out of this comfort zone and I am actually going to go and invent this and do this, you know, that's that's when they actually look at you and go, wow, isn't that amazing? And, you know, and anyone can do it. And congratulations, Mitch, for taking those first steps to create your podcasts and to get yourself out of there because it's not easy. It, it's not easy because if it was, everyone would be doing it. But it's, it is 
about you believing in yourself. And that's what I do with with every single client that I work with is I we look at the loss and we deep dive into the loss. But the the, the fifth step of my five-step process, uh, which I call the gift of loss, is that we pivot. And then we that's the most fun part because we literally deep dive into every area of their life. And in the Chase and Centre model, there is nine areas of life and I purposely wanted nine because nine's all about birthing and it's about birthing your new you um, so that we can deep dive and say, well, this is where I am now and this is where I want to do and what are the action steps to close that gap so you can get closer and closer to where you want to be. I like that. Yeah, thank you. Because, you know, we we look at, we don't have an expiry date on our birth certificate and the date has been set. You may not know what it is, but it it is really important for us to live life so that we don't have many regrets when we go on to our next adventure and meet up with our past loved ones, which is sort of comforting in a way. I'm, I'm spiritual as well. I believe in, you know, like virtual world, the veil is just there and, you know, when we pass over then the best version of ourselves becomes present that's what i believe um yeah, you know and we all have our own beliefs and you know and to anyone out there there is no right or wrong answer if you believe a certain faith or you believe in spirituality or if you believe in nothing it's at school you can do what totally makes you happy and you know on this show i don't coerce or i don't preach to anyone i just yeah. i'm all about fairness because we all have our own story to share yeah and, exactly. um, and i think that um it's important to have an active like as i said active listening so if people want to get involved and people want to take you up on you know some of the and why you can help them or work with you yeah. how do, how do people get involved reach with, out with reach well out, i have yeah. yeah i have two websites one is called the chastoncenter.com when chaston is spelt c h a s t o n.com and obviously center is spelt the australian way or the english way is c e n t r e not the american way and um or karenchaston.com so pretty easy websites. You can reach out from there. You can deep dive into, I've got so many free eBooks on there. I've got so many different things and you can deep dive into all the different programs because it is about you understanding that if you're not happy with your life, more than likely the person who is missing from your life is actually you. And, you know, just the act of growing up, we tend to lose a little bit of us here and a little bit of us there. And, and before we know it, we look in the mirror and we go, who are you? You know, when, when I think back to who I was in my corporate days, I actually know, you know, I used to walk past a window shop, you know, window and I would go cringe at what I look like. Whereas, you know, now it's like, no, no, I really like who I am. I'm, you know, currently in hotel quarantine and I actually love being by myself. I don't think I would have said that 30 years ago um, because I really love my own company. I'm very conscious of my thoughts. I'm very positive, but that's a choice as well, which is what I just think we're all here to live our most beautiful magnificent life we're all perfectly imperfect so own it um and really get to love who you are and that's that at the end of the day is what i help people do i to tap into their past losses to receive the gift the message from whatever it was that had gone on and then to create their beautiful authentic self like that and what i what what i do is i I include the correct spelling in the bio so 
Oh, thanks. For, for, for <laughs> listeners out there, you just have a link on the bottom. And links, can you find your books on your websites as well, or are they on Amazon or yeah, something yeah. like that? Yeah, there's, there's books there on Amazons. I've actually just, all of them were self-published. I've just written my fifth one, which I'm actually going to a publisher for. Yep. It's called Demystifying Loss. Uh, this one I think is too important to be self-published. I think okay. it just needs um, to obviously have that behind it. And I deep dive into a lot of the different losses I deep dive into the hard way to do loss and then the more loving way to do loss. Um, obviously, a lot of stories are in it from my clients and obviously my story as well. But, yeah, it's I think loss is a subject that we're a lot of us are uncomfortable with. You know, I was in a podcast oh, about a year to 18 months ago out of the UK and the guy said to me, Karen, I was at a funeral recently and um, a friend of ours had committed suicide and there was 10 of us who had been friends since, you know, grade school and we were trying to figure out what to say to his parents because we all knew their parents and we were his parents and we all just wanted to say something but we were just really uncomfortable in what to say. So he said, can you please tell me what to say? And I said, sure. I said, you walk up to them and you say just that. And he goes, say just what? I said, you walk up to them and you say, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. I have no idea what you're going through, um, but I'd like to be here for you. How can I be here for you? I'm a really good listener. I'll just sit and listen if you want to talk about him, whatever you want to do. And then that's it. You just listen and they will respond. And you can use that in any scenario, whether it's a divorce or a job loss or whatever, because we never know what people are going through. We may think we know what they're going through, but we can never know what someone's feeling. We don't know what the relationship was about that they've just lost, you know, whether it was a job or a health or a divorce or whatever it is. But it's important for us just, as you have said many times over this podcast, to actively listen. That's yeah, what people Exactly right. And further to what you've said, I um I use the metaphor. People are like iceberg. Okay. So you see the idea is predominantly you can't see what's under the water surface. So yeah. on someone's face, you might be able to see five percent of what they're truly going through. And it's like National Are You Okay Day. It's asking those important questions. Are you okay? What do you need from me? How can I help? As opposed to, oh, you need this or making assumptions based off your own knowledge. Yeah, you makes can. a fool make, that's what truly makes a fool of someone. You know, they say assumption does assumptions based off false yep. information makes you not look like a fool but an absolute dickhead and yep. i think i think oh, that go. um you know and i uh, yeah active listening most important thing put it on them yeah. put it put it on the person they know what they need you know yeah. unless, unless you're a like professor x and you can read minds yeah exactly but not only that mitch a lot of people they respond to make themselves feel comfortable not to make the other person who's going through this scenario to feel comfortable, you know, and a lot of the times it's like, how would I feel? Put yourself in their shoes so that it's not about you. Okay, I've walked up, I've ticked the box, I've said, you know, um, I feel for you or something and then I've moved on. No, just be there and just say, look, how can I help you? It may be something as simple as buying them a meal or dropping it off at their house, you know what I mean? Because they are in a bit of a daze. They, they don't know what's going on because they're in shock and they're in grief. Mm. Right. One thing I did recently was I called it a high five care package. So I, a friend of mine uh, is a podcaster in, in the US. His name's Mike. And I did what's called the podcasting high five. And I sent him five items that remind me of home. So as an American guy, he got five Australian items. So, so oh, okay. the, I told him about, we, so his podcast is all about uh, nostalgia and feeling like a child. And he said, the most important 
meal of a child is probably cereal. So I sent him Milo brand Australian cereal, which is like, I didn't know that was a thing. Holy cow. <laughs> I sent him uh, some Vegemite, some Tim Tams, um, and a can of Australian beer that I enjoy. And uh, like another Aussie snack. I think it was like some sort of Arnott's biscuits. I hope you taught him how to put Vegemite on. <laughs> yes. Because their biggest problem is they put it on like jam and they're like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I've, I've debunked a few myths. Don't eat off the spoon. That's that's crazy talk. We don't yeah. we don't ride kangaroos to work. We, we oh, share, yes, we do. We share Ubers with them. That's the new one. <laughs> and we um and we just you know and, and the reason I did it was because they're in lockdown. He was going through a hard time, and that little like something so a small gesture like that. Send someone a high five care package. It might cost you thirty five dollars if you can't afford it. Then you know even if it's like photos of you and someone like that nostalgic uh, dopamine hit um, can yeah. go a long way. So that's one example. You are like, so right. You I am. So I am pretty pretty bloody good, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I always like the saying, get high on dopamine 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 i'm keen for dopa- <laughs> i'm keen for dopamine you heard it here first folks yeah, exactly so we might we might change it up for a bit karen um okay. so each podcast has two parts storytelling and this next part we have a good okay. wind wine silk whatever's ailing us would you like to join me and having a bitchy i'd you? love to i'll have a little bitchy with me so you can, so the idea is get something off your chest you can either go first or i can it's up to you oh. and you go first okay First world problem, you know, we're in currently in lockdown and, you know, everyone requires you to check in, which is fine. And uh, it seems like every, the price of everything, you know, to cope to cope with it is going up. And it's like, okay, fine. I'm happy. I'll happily support local businesses. And I'm here in Curry Curry, place so crap, they named it twice. And I went, <laughs> I went down to my local cafe and just got a masked up, checked in, coffee, checked out. It was done in about three or four minutes, walking home. And just seeing people argue, oh, I'm only getting a takeaway. Why the F do I have to check in for? It's like, mate, like, what a, it's like, well, what about those who don't have loved ones to go home to now? Because, you know, it's that attitude, you know. People don't like, you know, it's just like all people, oh, the government's this and that. So well, all they're trying to do, it's beneficial for you. You know, if someone is, there's an active case there, they can tell you to look after your health. But anyway, so what, what my bitch is, is just that like people after two lockdown, two severe statewide lockdowns, plus obviously Melbourne's in their sixth, you know, yeah, no. still like getting the message. And I'm not going to touch on vaccines because either people believe in it or don't, whatever. But just a comment, like that comment, like help your fellow man or woman or trans person out there there doesn't seem to be that that there's it's just become a in an age where you know everything's accessible at your fingertips everyone wants everything right now and you know if they are in one way shape or form um you know thrown to the weight and things don't go their way and uh, someone is you know they become angry because it's not there and then so i yeah. think that that whole help your fellow human being out that mentality is slowly dwindling and that's what my frustration is it's like I believe I believe personally in the sanctity of life and I'm a volunteer emergency response worker in my mind. So, you know, if someone goes down into first aid, I'm there to, that's just me though. But I just think that that, yeah. that is diminishing in society and it's very like, it's sad. It saddens me to see. Yeah, I totally understand. So that my, my bitch, bitch, that's my bitch. Okay, that's your bitch. I'm going to have mine, right? Let's hear Which it. had come from listening to yours. And mine is that we're starting in Australia to be very state divided and like we never had that we were always Australians like sure when we had a footy match it might be state of origin and stuff like that but it was still you know 
in good fun sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. I, I, I now live on the Gold Coast and I have spent, you know, six weeks in New South Wales and I'm in hotel quarantine, all that sort of stuff, which is fine. But the thing that I get is I have family in both Queensland and in New South Wales. And I don't like the fact that I can't go and see them whenever I want to or vice versa. Um, and But I just think it's time for us to get back to be Australia. Like Western Australia is talking about like literally, you know, moving away from Australia. Like seriously, it's it's just I think it's time. And before all this happened, most of us wouldn't have even known what the Premier's names were. That's my little bitch is I, I just think we're all proud Australians and it's time to stop the state divide and all come back. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you're right. Like, you know, the, the average Joe or Jane Blow, you know, like banter was key when it comes to origin, footy teams yeah, and, yeah. and things like that. Like, like, you know, and um, Queensland uh, wins, so why wouldn't we love it? I mean, he's lost this year, so. I know, but we're still ahead over were you Were you born in New South Wales or Queensland? I was born in New South Wales, but I but my I lived in Queensland. I, I moved up here in 1977. And on the very first state of origin, which I believe was 1980, my in-laws, who were also born in New South Wales, the four of us sat down, my husband and I and uh, my in-laws, and my, my, my father-in-law just went, right, we all live in Queensland, we're going for Queensland. Oh. And we all just went, yeah, okay. And we have, and all my kids are Queenslanders, so of course we go for Queensland. I find that funny. It's like it's in the title, state of it origin, is. not that's state right. of origin. And it was the to... first origin game I was in Queensland. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> I, I I like it. It's like, well, I am I, um, in the Rugby League podcast I listened to called This Week in League. One of the hosts is they refer to him as a state trader, and that he's from Sydney and they give it to him all the time, and it is flipping hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, it you know, is funny. It's good. It's all good of my game. sisters argue with me all the time as well about it, but I'm just like, no, nah, it's state of origin. Oh, at this least you stayed weird. consistent. So, like, people that chop and oh, change yeah, yeah. all the time. No, I don't like, flip. No. No, no, uh, no, 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 fair no. enough. I'll give you that, I suppose. Thank you. It's like, well, if people like, I have a second and third and fourth. No, you should have one team and that's <laughs> it anyways. But at the end of the day, like, are we all really attached to our teams? Like, do we, you know, the game's over and we all move on. Like, some people still rave about it for the next five years, but that's okay. But yeah. seriously, it's just a bit of fun. I'm still swinging the flag of the 2016 Cronulla Sharks Premiership because... <laughs> It took 50 years to get there. Probably take another 50 to get another one. So we'll see. <laughs> Were you born in Cronulla? No, I'm a Dubbo boy. Oh, okay. Wow. And the reason I got, um, I grew up in Newcastle and I met David Peachy as a kid. Uh, he's uh, He was touring with Country Origin New South Wales and they did a like a NRL in schools, learned a pass kick sort of thing. And I met him. I thought he was a champion. And um, watched a game that weekend, and you know, I thought I was always going to be a Knights fan. And footage of him shaking someone's hand, like promoting good sportsmanship, and I resonated with that. Oh, and the fact nice. it was like a gun fullback as well also helped. And no, it just seemed like a really nice guy. And that's that's where the love of the Sharks started from. Okay. That, Dad's a mad rooster, mad passionate right. rooster. Um, and my stepdad, like my brother, he yeah. he lived in Vanilla. Yeah. But he went for the Roosters since he was a little kid. But he made his kids all go for the Roosters as well, yeah. which was a bit, okay, whatever. Dad tried, but, you know, I got, got a soft spot for the Chooks, but it's a really well-run club, really professional. Nick Politis is doing the right things down there. But, you know, you you, you have your fandoms are your fandom, so. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so, you know, once again, if uh, you want to get involved in Karen's uh, websites and, and check out her work and see her books, the spelling will be in the bio. Um <laughs> Is there anything that you want to close in on today, Karen? 
just um, for everyone to realise that they're really important in their lives. You know, if if you feel there is something missing in your life, maybe it's you. And start to deep dive into you because you're worth it. Just like the Nike tick of approval, you're worth it. I like it. <laughs> you are worth but, it. And, and also, and further to that, um, that old cliched metaphor or word or whatever you want to call it is there's no one out there that can love you unless you love yourself because people aren't looking for, in my case, I'm in the dating world. I'm looking to meet someone and no one can be confident in me unless I'm confident in myself. And some of the people I've been speaking to like, Oh, it's, it's quite, it's quite warming. The fact to see a a nice, genuine, confident guy who's not up himself. I'm like, well, and that's, and that's come from healing over four or five years. And so, yeah, you know, invest invest in yourself. And it is about doing the healing to deep dive into anything that has happened in your life and actually find that gift, which is why I've called my programs The Gift of Loss because there is always a gift. And, you know, if you stem over that fence and not know where you're going to come down, that leap of faith metaphor I'll use, you know, yeah. deep that deep dive, like I guarantee you it's scary as heck, but when you come down, come and join us on the greener side of the fence. <laughs> That's what I say. But no, I, I want, just want to say Sounds thanks. pretty good. Yeah. Just want to say thanks for your time today, Karen. I really enjoyed the chat. And uh, thanks, Mitch, Al- likewise. Alan's done it again. He's uh, <laughs> he's got to. Uh, he's he got he to won't keep- recommend anyone unless he knows that they'll make him shine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really appreciate your time. And um, that's episode. Oh, I think fifty-one. We're into the fifties now. So. Whoa! Congratulations. Thank you. So, if anyone wants to get involved in the show, lifesomemitchpodcast.com. You know, there's uh, streaming options there. Or if you want to email in and um, you know, tell me your story, and we get you on the show all the links to the socials are there as well and if you feel kind enough give me a rate apple podcasts and uh yeah i'll catch you on the next one bye for now